What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? What's going on, man? What's going on? Man, um, I tell you, um, I, I just got back in the house right before hitting you up. Uh, I was out running. Um, do you run, man? Do any running? I do. I went. I went for a nice run this morning, actually. You know, I used to jog on the, <laughs> on the street. Uh, when I say on the street, man, I live out here in the suburbs and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and so there's no sidewalks and all the rest of that. And I'm, you know, I'm running along the road, and um, I got chased by two dogs, man. <laughs> And there was nowhere for me to go. You know what I mean? When you're out here, there's, you know, there was no fence to jump over to try to get away from them. And, you know, I was running and then I slipped on some gravel. And in my mind, I just knew that was it. You know what I mean? I could just see myself in the fetal position, just like trying to protect my throat and everything else. And um, I jumped up and I just like yelled at them with my hands up in the air you know how they say you do that like if you get attacked by a bear in the wilderness you yeah try to make yourself bigger <laughs> so yeah that, that's what i did and then the owners came out and and called their dogs off and um uh, ever since then man i've been running on a track but that's boring to me so yeah you know i come up with with um uh, workout routines on the track instead of just running around running around running around the track over and over i just test yeah. myself you know run you know 100s 200s 400s that kind of thing with, with some rest in between and man it was kind of warm out there today man and so yeah uh, i'm, it's been I'm very glad i nice got back lately. here yeah it's been very nice lately man and I, and I feel you with the running i'll tell you what i've been chased by dogs a couple of times and I run fast. I'm not going to front. I run fast. But when a dog is chasing me, I kick into that next gear. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's no fun to get chased by a dog, man. I'm man. telling you. But um, but anyway, man, I'm glad to be to be back in the saddle, man, to talk some sports with you um, tonight. Um, talk first, man. Talk about some NBA playoffs. Our New York Knicks are in the playoffs. As we're speaking right now, they're down one game to none to the Atlanta Hawks. Heartbreaker game, man, in that first one. 107-105 at the Garden. Man, but was the Garden rocking or what? Ooh, love to see that, man. I actually tweeted that out because I was watching the game. And just hearing the crowd going off after every bucket, every defensive stop, man, it felt it felt so good to hear that. It was awesome to see it as well, man. Wow. Yeah. That sound of the garden that takes you back to the Patrick Ewing days and before that, for those who are old enough to remember, you know, the Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe, Bill Bradley, Dave DeBusher days. It was just great, man, to to hear that sound again uh, from the garden. Um, and it was a very good game, probably the best game of the weekend. And the Knicks came up a bit short. 
uh, Julius Randle, who was just named the most improved player of the year, and deservedly so, did not have a good game, Rob. He didn't. And um, he's got to come out better, give them more, a lot more in game two. Yeah, his overall game was off. And I don't know if it was the nerves of, you know, that playoff game in New York. And he's the leader of this bunch. So I don't know if that's maybe, you know, the playoff cold feet type thing. But, yeah, he has to play a better game overall. Because even when he's not scoring, there are so many other little things that he can do, like facilitate, get assists. You know, he grabbed 12 rebounds. But, you know, there are other things that he could do for that team to help the team win, to help the other guys get their scoring in and, and all this other stuff, you know, make some defensive stops. But he just seemed very off, and that kind of was a detriment to the team at the at the very end because I think if he was on his game, we wouldn't maybe be talking about a close loss for the Knicks, but more of a, a, convinc- a convincing win for them instead. Yeah, and, and, and you know, during the regular season – he dominated the Hawks. He scored nearly yeah. 38 points a game against the Hawks. And um, he just didn't have it on, on Sunday. But uh, Trey Young did. Trey Young had it going on, especially in the fourth quarter. He made shot after shot. He got to the foul line. Um, he had some some assists down the stretch. I mean, he, he did it all. Um, and, you know, here, here's my thought on, on Trey Young. I think the longer the series goes, and if it will, and if it's going to be physical as you expect it to be, I think that helps the Knicks because hopefully they could wear down Trey Young a little bit, you know. Um, but they have to they have to make him work. I think they have to put a body on him. I think they have to beat him up a little bit, you know, within the rules of the game. But you know, yeah. make it physical because you know he's. He's a smaller guy, um, and maybe over the course of a long series, that wears him down a little bit. Those shots start to, you know, be a little short or whatever. Um, but, um, you know, I think they have to get tomorrow night's game, though, Rob, at the Garden. They have to get it um, to, you know, go to Atlanta 1-1. And then, um, you know, we could be in for a long series with that one. Yeah, definitely. It's a must win. And I agree, man. Trey Young is a special talent, and I think he's underappreciated in the NBA. I don't think many people look at him as as a star player, but he can he can get his, man. You know, he's a a lot of people call him like the mini Steph Curry or the Steph Curry light, whatever you want to call it. But the dude could drop buckets, you know, and I think you're right. They have to put some bodies on him. You know, I think the move that Thibodeau did in bringing in Nilakina at the end was a bad move. Because the dude is cold, you bring him in for that last minute, you're not going to stop a kid who's on fire at that moment, you know? But maybe if you bring him in, since he's a long body, bring him in early in the game, maybe a couple of minutes here and there just to do that, you know, roughing up Trey Young a little bit. Maybe towards the third, fourth quarter, now he's warding down a little bit. And maybe he starts missing those shots, like he said. But, yeah, it's a must win for New York in game two. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you on on Nilakina. Um, that th- that was a tough spot to put him in at the end of the game, and believe that he could stay up with Trey Young. He, he it was just an impossible task. Yeah. Um, but hopefully that'll be a long series. I tell you what, I think though in the East we might be, uh, we might see some short series. Um, I think I think Boston's going to get swept by the Nets. Um, I and I like Boston. I like Jason Tatum, but they just 
don't have enough scoring on that team to hang with Brooklyn. They just don't. Um, Brooklyn, I mean, not many. I think Brooklyn probably offensively, right? It has to be the, the most potent team in the NBA. Yeah. And so if you can't put it in the bucket against that club uh, and you're not a lockdown defensive team, then I don't see how you stand a chance against the Nets. And right now, Jason Tatum um, is pretty much all Boston has. You know, Kimber Walker is going to give you a little something, maybe Marcus Smart, but after that, it's it's not enough. And so I think that's going to be a short series. And I think Philly and Washington looks like it's going to be a short series as well. Yeah, I agree. with When it comes to Brooklyn, man, you know, they kind of – you saw a little a little bit of struggle in the first game right at the right out the gate, and then they picked it up and it was like we've been playing together forever, which is something that I questioned and both of us have questioned how that team is going to mix once all the big three comes back. And the Celtics, man, they struggled going into into the playoffs. They had the injuries. This, <laughs> yeah, unless they somehow pull out prime LeBron James out of nowhere to pair up with Tatum now. There's no shot there. And then the Wizards, man, they're an exciting team. And you always wonder what their ceiling is. And I feel like they hit their ceiling in that last game, and it still wasn't enough for a Sixers team that I think can do even better than that game they played against them. So, you know, the Wizards are exciting. I can see them maybe going to a fifth game, if that. But uh, the Sixers got that one. You know, the thing that's concerning to me is that Russell Westbrook has now played in three games, the the two play-in games and the first game against Philly. And in that first play-in game against Boston, something seemed off. And then he brought more energy and focus, it appeared, in the game against Indiana. And then in the first game against Philly, he was back to having no energy and no focus. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how a player, a veteran player like Russell Westbrook, who has been in the playoffs multiple times and knows yeah. what it takes to win at this time of the year. I don't understand how you're not bringing your A game every night. I, I, I just don't understand that. And I don't know if something is going on with Russ that we don't know about. Yeah, it's true. It, he's, he's one of those guys, and maybe it's fatigue, especially the way the Wizards were playing towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, they were one of the hottest teams in the NBA going into the play-in and the playoffs. So maybe there's some fatigue in there, and, you know, maybe a day off kind of he gets that energy back for a game. But it'll be interesting to see in game two how he comes off you know, right out the gate and throughout the entire game as well because he played 43 minutes in the last game, and I can imagine he's going to play close to that in this next game as well. They they kind of need him to. Yeah, maybe all those triple-doubles and all the energy expended to get those triple-doubles, I don't know, but something seems not to be quite right with Russell Westbrook. But let's see what happens um, in the next game. Um, uh, the last series in the East, Milwaukee and Miami. And I actually thought coming into that series that that was the absolute worst matchup for Milwaukee. Uh, 
that you know having Jimmy Butler and Adebayo and and the Heat with their discipline and their winning culture coming to play Milwaukee that that was a problem for the Bucks. And you know I've been on record of saying I think the Bucks window is closed and I don't you know I don't buy the Bucks and all the rest of it. And I may, I may have to end up eating some crow. We'll see. Uh, and if I do, I like mine, you know, barbecued, you know, with, you know, <laughs> with some sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce on it, you know? <laughs> so, um, but, but, um, but here's, here's the thing for me, Rob. I do believe that the Bucks are better in two respects. One, P.J. Tucker, and more importantly, Drew Holiday. I think both of mm-hmm. those players are tough-minded players, which I think the Bucs have lacked toughness in the past. Yes. I don't believe that, that Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, their two best players, are the strongest, you know, strong, you know, strongest players in the league in terms of, you know, psychologically, you know what I mean, and bringing that to the game. But I do think that Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker get after it. And I also believe that Drew Holiday is such an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. Um, he's yeah. a true point guard. He can score the ball. He can rebound the ball. Uh, and he can play defense. And so he gives you everything. And plus he gives you that toughness. And so I think that's a major upgrade. I think Tucker also helps them. And so I think the Bucks are better. I'm not saying that I think they're going to go to – the NBA championship. I don't because I think, listen, if the first four seeds hold, then the Bucks have to play the Nets in the second round. I don't think they can beat the Nets. And I don't care what happened at the end of the season. The Nets didn't have their big three. In fact, I don't know if they even had two of their big three when Milwaukee beat them those two games toward the end of the season. Um, but you know, the Bucks are a little bit better than I thought. Um, and I think they're going to handle Miami, even though I think Miami will make it a series. Yeah, and, I, and I'm kind of surprised with this game, too, where Milwaukee just blew out Miami. Because the first game, you know, it was a close game. So I figured, you know, Miami, they'll take game two. It'll be a 1-1 series. But then they just came out and Milwaukee had they, – they weren't having any of it. And Jimmy Butler struggled all game. He wasn't himself. Only 10 points in game two, which is very uncharacteristic. He, he, it's almost like what you said about Westbrook. Jimmy Butler just didn't have it at all in, in this second game. So it'll be interesting to see how Miami responds now being down 2-0 because this, every game from here on out is a must win for them. I think if they lose one more game before they can get tie the series, they're done for. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. But, you know, I do think that they that winning pedigree, I think going back home is going to help them. Um, And we'll see if the Bucs can get a game in Miami. Then I think the Bucs may have turned a little bit of a corner. I still think they have a tough road because in order to get to the finals, they're going to more than likely have to beat both Brooklyn and Philadelphia. That's a tough ask right That's there. Very tough. So, very, very tough. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But out west, man, it's very interesting, right? Um, 
you know, the Grizzlies, first of all, you know, made it to the postseason. You know, they took care of Golden State in the playing game and they snatched game one from Utah. So that's interesting, even though I think Utah will end up winning that series. But Utah better be careful because the Grizzlies are a tough team with nothing to lose. Um, so that's an interesting start so far. And then we got to talk about our Lakers. But before getting to the Lakers, what do you think about the Grizzlies? They're they're a team. They're no joke, man. They're a tough, tough team. You know, John Moran is obviously the star of the team. But a guy like Dylan Brooks, who nobody knew who he was, and I didn't even know who he was going into this, the dude has been playing great. He played really good against Golden State. Um, I know Steph Curry dropped his buckets, but he was putting a body on Steph Curry and had him struggling early on. And then he just he showed up again in game one here. So that's a name to keep an eye on as somebody, you know, not, he's not going to be a superstar or anything like that. But it's an interesting piece that Memphis has that can, you know, maybe sway a game, whether it's defensively or making a big shot here or there. Um, but they're, they're a tough team, man. I like the way they play. They're tough. I don't think they'll win the series because I think Mitchell's going to come back and he's going to be healthy. You know, he said he could play in game one, even though the trainers and the organization said no. Um, I think he'll come back and he he can swing games. He's one of those difference makers for a team that can really just take over a game. But the Grizzlies, man, I love the way they play. I love seeing them play. They're tough. And they just they just grind it out. And like you said, they have nothing to lose. So they're playing with house money in this series. Yeah, and yeah, and they're deep, man. They're deep. Yeah. You know, they have a lot. Of, they're the youngest team in the league. And they have a lot of talent. You mentioned Morant. You you mentioned Dylan Brooks. You know, they got Jackson Jr. They have Valachunas. Um, you know, um, the, the kid Anderson, I think, is one of those guys who just does the types of things that are necessary for you to win basketball games. Uh, Grayson Allen is a guy I don't particularly like, but he comes off the bench and can contribute. Um, yeah, he had some big shots against Golden State also. Yeah. That the kid Bang is is you know does some good work and and Tillman so they they have they have a, a an interesting team and you know I think they're going to give Utah all they can handle. Um, speaking of that, all they can handle the L.A. Lakers. Listen, I would not be surprised if LeBron and the Lakers get bounced in the first round. I'm just going to put it out there period. LeBron, I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he's 100% healthy. Um, and the Lakers are pedestrian if LeBron is not great. Yeah. Um, and AD, I like Anthony Davis, but bruh, listen, if, if you want to be considered an elite player in this league, you got to bring it all the time. And the biggest yep. problem I have with AD is he doesn't do that. That He should be dominating games, and he's not doing it. And if he's going to play that way and LeBron is still going to, you know, be struggling health-wise, you know, right now the Suns have their own health issue, you know, with Chris Paul. But if, you know, if the Lakers don't turn it up, they're going to be going fishing real soon. Yeah, man. Listen, Anthony Davis has to be the best player on the court every time he's on the court. No excuses. 
this is a guy considered a top five player in the NBA, you know, today. And very few people will argue that. But this is where he has to show he he deserves that top five player in the NBA. You know, a lot of people could say that he may be the best player in the NBA once LeBron is out the picture. But he has to prove it here, man. You know, he has LeBron on his team. But LeBron needs him to take over. This is why Anthony Davis is there. He's supposed to take over that Laker franchise once LeBron decides to say, I'm all done. You know, and when both of them com- um, score 30 points combined, the Lakers are not going to win any games. If both of these guys combine for 30 points, they're not going to win this series. They're not going to win any games. That's just it. You know, and, and DeAndre Ayton played a heck of a game. He completely manhandled AD and just outplayed him completely in this in, in the game. So, listen, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers get bounced. The way Devin Booker played in that first game, his first playoff game, is like a continuation from what he did in the bubble last year where they went 8-0 and and he was just lights out. And I expect more of that from him. I don't think he's going to let up. I don't think the Suns are going to let up. Obviously, a lot, like you said, has to do with Chris Paul and his health. but Listen, that Suns team, I want to see how deep they can go in these playoffs. So it wouldn't shock me if they came out and just gave it to the Lakers and sent them home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it, it's going to it's going to be an interesting ride for the Lakers. Um, the reports are that they're going to make a lineup change. Um, they're going to uh, not start uh, drumming. Um, so that AD can play uh, the five. And so we'll see if that gives AD some more space to operate on the court and maybe do the type of damage that he's capable of doing. But um, listen, I don't I don't like what I've seen from the Lakers. And before we leave the Lakers, I just want to say this, man. You know, before coming on to talk with you tonight, I accidentally, like, poked myself in the eye and right now I'm talking and, and, and you know into the, the the microphone in the middle because I see three microphones right now. So <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> talking to the one that's in the middle. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, um, anyway, uh, the other the other LA team, um, the Clippers, um, they lost the first game against Denver. And not a surprise, but there's, there's a couple of things that bother me about the Clippers. They, they, they've been a little inconsistent, but here's the thing that bothers me. I, I think, you know, that they have the reputation of being a good defensive team or having some really good defensive players. You know, Kawhi Leonard, former defensive player of the year. I think he won the award two times. Paul George, one of the best perimeter defenders. You have Patrick Beverly, you know, um, Morris. You know, you got guys who supposedly get after it. And then, you know, you hear them saying they didn't want to put Kawhi on Doncic because they wanted to save Kawhi on the offensive end. What? Listen, uh, uh, no, you're going to have to try to stop that guy. I don't think you can stop Luka because he's a great player, but you have to make him work. And the idea that you're not going to put someone who's been highly regarded as one of the better lockdown defenders in the league on him um, and that all this versatility that you're supposed to have defensively on the perimeter, 
and, and yet he's having his way, they have to make up their mind um, and get after it. And that's the thing about the Clippers. They seem to me to coast a little bit too much. And I think they have to get roll up their sleeves and get after it, Bob. I really do. Otherwise, they also could be bounced early. Yeah, because the Mavericks are one of those sneaky teams, and we spoke about them a few times uh, throughout the season, that they can drop buckets too. They have some offensive talent with Porzingis and obviously Luka, who is a guy you can only hope to contain him. You can't stop him. And even Tim Hardaway Jr., former Knicks, <laughs> the dude, all of a sudden, he can drop 50 on you without you realizing he's dropping 50 if he gets hot. So they have some guys who can score. And I don't know I don't know why you wouldn't think to put Kawhi on Luka, at least for the majority of the game, knowing that Luka's a big bodyguard and maybe he's a forward playing in a guard's body, whatever you want to call it. But the dude's a big guy. He gets his buckets. He drives in the lane. He can shoot now. You have to put a body on him who's who can con- contain him, and that's what Kawhi Leonard can do, and that's what they need to put on him. Like, <laughs> there's no excuse for that. You can't keep putting Patrick Beverly on him because you saw there was a play. The biggest highlight that they kept showing was Luca driving down and just basically carrying Patrick Beverly with him and scoring the end one. Like that's gonna happen all game with Luca if you continue to put just Patrick Beverly on him for the majority of the game. Kawhi needs to step up. He's the big money guy. He's the star. He's their best player. So he needs to guard the Mavericks' best player and, you know, get those stops. And Paul George needs to step it up on the offensive end to make up for whatever Kawhi doesn't do offensively. That's what he's there for. So something needs to happen, like you said. Unless they change that, the Clippers are in trouble. Yeah, I think both L.A. teams, and I know L.A. is L.A., is the left coast, it's laid back, all the rest of it. You know, uh, when fans were coming to, you know, you, you arrive fashionably late and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah, but the teams can't play that way. They yeah. have to bring it. And if they don't, both of them may be going home. So we'll see what happens there. And then lastly, you know um, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. Real quick. With the yep. Clippers, it, it almost feels like they walk into into games almost like they with a sense of entitlement because so many people and so many you know uh, journalists or whatever analysts kind of have crowned them already as this great team. Like you said, they're this great defensive team. They have Kawhi Leonard, all this stuff. I feel like they walk into games with, like you said, the relaxed mentality instead of going out there and and then they don't have that go getter attitude. Like a lot of these, like even the Hawks or the Knicks, those teams that have to work for theirs, as opposed to, I feel like the Clippers feel like we already got there, ours, we're LA, we got this. And that's how, that's a good way to get punched in the mouth, figuratively speaking. Yeah. And they haven't done anything. Yeah, exactly. They haven't done anything, you know, to even feel that way. They haven't won a championship. They've done nothing. Except blow a three-one lead last year to the Denver Denver Nuggets. Yep. So you know the Clippers to me, you know, have to get it together. They they have to show that they have a little junkyard dog in them, and um, we'll see if it comes out in this series. Um, but um, you know they're playing tonight as as we're speaking. Both LA teams are in action tonight, and I believe both of these teams have to win tonight. Uh, um, yeah. because, you know, the, at least the Lakers, if they go down 0-2, they're going, 
home. If the Clippers go down 0-2 on their way to Dallas, I'm not saying they can't win in Dallas, but, you know, that's a different road to travel, right? So, um, you know, let's see what happens tonight with that one, with those two games. Uh, And then lastly um, is the matchup between Denver and Portland. Um, Again, the the West is just so stacked. Uh, But um, Portland, you know, stole game one. Interesting strategy where they let, you know, they they let uh, the Joker score, uh, but wanted to limit his facilitating and, you know, getting other guys involved. Um, And then Dane came out in game two and just went off in the first half. And then, you know, uh, Aaron Gordon, you know, kind of slowed him down in the second half. Um, But, you know, uh, 1-1 heading back to to Portland. And I think Portland's going to take this one. Um, I think Portland's a deeper team than they've been in the past. And, you know, I think that Jamal Murray absence is going to catch up with Denver sooner than later. And I wouldn't be surprised if Portland knocks them out in this series. Yeah, I was going right there with Jamal Murray. I think he would have been the difference maker in this series to kind of sway because these teams are pretty even. I guess you can say even though both games kind of they flip-flop scores where they blew each other out. But in terms of that, I think Jamal Murray would have been like that equalizer, that difference maker for the Nuggets to kind of give them the edge in this series. Um, Honestly, I don't know who would win this series. I think the Blazers, like you said, they are deeper. I think they have you know, guys like Carmelo who can, you know, he only dropped five points in game two, but first game he can drop you almost 20, you know, in the third game, I should say, he could drop 20. Uh, they have Cantor, who's a guy, he's not going to score, but he can, he's a presence. He's a big body, gets some rebounds, stuff like that. And Dame and CJ, they are who they are. They're going to drop 30, 40 plus any given night. Um, maybe that'll be the difference, the scoring for, for Portland, because I don't know if Denver can keep up with that for this entire series. So um, I I guess I'll give the slight edge to Portland in that regard, because I think they have, like you said, the deeper lineup and more opportunity to score. But I think it'll it'll be a long series only because of that. It'll be a lot of back and forth between both teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a good one. But, um, you know, I think the NBA right now has some really good matchups. Uh, some marquee matchups, um, you know, and again, they have our Nixies um, in the mix. So um, I, I'm just taking a look now, Rob. Oh, my goodness. The Nets are beating the Celtics 80 to 55 Oof. early in the third quarter, early in the oh, third quarter, wow. 80 to 55. Yeah. I mean, I think you can stick a fork, fork in the Celtics because those yeah. boys are done. Um Okay, it seems like this is a, it seems like this, what I'm about to say is just a repeat, you know, of, oh, didn't these guys say this before, but here we go again, (laughs) two more no hitters in baseball. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. We talked about it before. Baseball has a big offensive problem. Teams can't hit right now. And you can blame it on the shifts. You can blame it on launch angle. You can blame it on the dead ball that MLB is using this year. You can blame it on, you know, there's a lot of talk, Rob, 
that pitchers are cheating. And I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying the talk is out there, right? Yeah. That the foreign substances and baseball's on record of saying they're really looking at this and they're really concerned about pitchers using foreign substances. I don't know if that's happening, but baseball's sufficiently enough concerned about it that they've raised that as an issue. I don't know what it is, but we had two more no-hitters uh, since we last spoke, including one by Corey Kluber, <laughs> your New York Yankees. Um, yeah. But you know what? I, I'm, I can't even, I don't even know what to say anymore, right? I don't even know what to say anymore. Something has to be done. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, Rob. Right now, baseball is a tough game to watch many times. It is, man. And Clayton Kershaw, everyone knows as a pitcher, he came out and said there's an offensive problem in baseball. This is a pitcher saying we don't have enough offense in baseball. That's when you know it's getting bad, when pitchers are speaking out saying we're not getting hit enough. <laughs> we should be because fans don't like it. And it's true, man. Like It's turning into – I was watching the game – and we were talking about this off air. It was Jordan Montgomery versus Rondon, White Sox and Yankees. Rondon struck out 13 hitters in six innings. Montgomery struck out 11 in seven innings. And I remember watching the game, and I was focusing on the amount of contact that was made and the strikeouts happening. And I felt like I saw seven straight innings of baseball where there was no contact, and it was just straight strikeouts. And I remember, and I had my son next to me, and I'm like, luckily this kid is three years old, and his attention span is short, so he's not going to pay attention no matter what's on TV right now. He's going to get up and run around, whatever. But luckily he's only three not, and, and watching this with me. Instead of being a little bit older and saying, Dad, can we watch something else because all these guys are doing is striking out. I want to see some things like, can we change it to the NBA or, or whatever else is on TV? Because that's, that's kind of what I felt he would have said to me if he was a little bit old, if he was five, six, seven years old, he would have said, can we watch something else? Cause this is a little boring. I don't want to see guys just striking out. And this is a problem, man. And, and like you said, maybe it's the unjuiced baseballs or whatever it is, but even with the juice baseballs, we still saw low batting averages, strikeouts going up. It was still a problem. So it's not like this is all of a sudden this year, this is a consistent rise in strikeouts and a, and consistently low batting averages in baseball, man. So I don't know. I don't yeah. want to sound like, you know, like I'm repeating myself from the past few weeks too, but it just keeps happening. We're due for a no hitter this week. Again, we're due for one. Yeah. That's how that's the rate it's happening. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about Kershaw making his comments, uh, Marlins manager Don Mattingly, former Yankee, right? Nicknamed Donnie Baseball because of the way he went about playing the game. And, you know, this is someone well-respected, highly regarded in the game. And he said that sometimes baseball is unwatchable. Um, and so this is not just you and I talking about it or a handful of people talking about it. You have players, you have managers uh, you have front office people who understand that there is a problem right now. And you're absolutely right that, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, there's so many choices 
for the consuming public right now. And baseball has to be concerned that if they do not increase the action on the field, that people will tune out and turn to other alternatives. And so we'll see what happens. But Rob, I don't know if anything's going to change anytime soon. Uh, but baseball right now continues, continues to struggle. Um, a couple of other things in, in baseball. I don't know if you saw, Rob, but uh, Seattle Mariners had a catcher, Jose Godoy, who made his major league debut over the weekend. And he became the 20, 20,000th player in Major League Baseball history in 150 years. Um, and think about that. 20,000 players have put on a Major League uniform. Um, you know, I spent 10 years at the Major League Baseball Players Association. And, you know, we often would tell players at the time it was 18,000 and change, you know, because um, I was there years ago. And um, we would tell players, you know, you're part of a very select fraternity. You think yeah. about how many lawyers and how many doctors, how many law students graduate law schools each year, right? I mean, it's like, you know, and lawyers, you know, I'm a lawyer. And they, you, know, you think, oh, I'm a, oh, you're a lawyer? As if, as if it's special. It's not special. <laughs> There's tens of thousands of students graduating law schools every year. Only 20,000 men have put on a major league uniform in a major league game in the history, 150 year history. That's exclusive company right there. And it lets you know just how difficult it is, Rob, to be and to become a major league player. Yeah, that's that's huge, man. And I remember, you know, it's, it's crazy seeing that number because growing up, me and my friends, a lot of us wanted to be major league baseball players. And, you know, that dream kind of went out the window once you kind of hit high school, you kind of notice whether or not you're going to be there or not. Um, but it's a, it's crazy to think how many people wake up with that dream to, to be in the major leagues and only 20,000 have been able to do it in the world, play for a major league baseball team. So um, to all 20,000 that have played, you know, kudos to you for being one of the best baseball players on the planet. It's an incredible thing to see. It's it's awesome. Only 266 of those have made it to the Hall of Fame, by the way. So if you yeah. want to talk about exclusive, that's that's something else there. So, you know, kudos to all those players that have made it and the ones that, you know, will, will continue to make it, obviously. It's a special thing, man. It's awesome. It's awesome for them. No question. No question. And then on the flip side, I guess, um, tonight <laughs> – Country Joe West is going oh, yeah. to set a record <laughs> for the most games umpired. Country Joe, over 5,000 games, 5,376 for Country Joe. Um, Country Joe is something because sometimes, you know, he he gives off the sense that he believes he's bigger than the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, longevity has its place. And I guess, you know, Country Joe um, is is reaching a milestone uh, tonight. And so I at least want to just mention that. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, I, there's so many stories about country, Joe, uh, and you hear, you know, that some players and managers or whatever sort of have a love-hate relationship for him. And he seems to be a complex guy um, yeah. who can be both charming and arrogant um, from one day to the next. Um, but, you know, kudos to him too, though. You know, long career uh, as an umpire and one of the better umpires that the game has ever had. Yeah, kudos to him. That's that's a lot of games, man. He's seen a lot of baseball throughout the years. A quick thing I saw on Twitter today, David Freeze, uh, former Cardinal, he actually tweeted one of the times he, early in his career, he said he didn't say hi to Joe West when he walked up to the plate. And Joe West called time and said, I don't know what part of the country you're from, but you say hi to me. You say hi to me in your first at bat. Now we can play ball. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's the kind of guy. <laughs> That's the kind of guy he is, man. So congratulations to him. You know, one like you said, one of the better umpires, and awesome, awesome, awesome career, man. It's just great. It's good stuff. Yeah, and lastly, man, as we get ready to get on up out of here, um, just a really quick story from the WNBA, um, where um, Kurt Miller. Um, the coach of the Connecticut Sun was fined $10,000 and suspended for one game for comments that he made about Liz, Liz Cambage of the um, Aces, Las, Las Vegas Aces, where he, you know, he was complaining to the referee and he said something about, you know, Liz, you know, out there, how are you going to let her do all this? You know, she weighs 300 pounds and, and, you know, she's out there doing all this damage. And, and, um, he was, he was fine and suspended for that. And she took him on herself after the game, she went on Instagram and social media and took him on. And I don't know how I feel about this one, mom. I mean, well, no, let me back up. I do know how I feel about this one. I think that it, he, Miller got in trouble because his statements were made about a woman. He makes the same statements or a similar statement about a male basketball player. If if he was in the NBA and he made that kind of statement, it would be a non-story. And so, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but let's just call it what it is. You know, I don't think you can look at his statement and just say, you can't say that. No, you can't say that about a woman. If he said the same thing about a man, no one would have blinked an eye and he would not have been facing discipline as he has here. That's how I, I definitely, see this one. I agree. I agree because um, it, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have said that about a guy like Shaq, you know, getting a foul call on him or, you know, not being called a charge or something like, oh, man, that's Shaq. He's 400 pounds. What are you talking about? How is that not a foul on him? And we probably hear it about LeBron when he goes down the lane and stuff like that. So I do agree. I think that if this was an, an NBA coach saying this, then it, it, we wouldn't have even heard about it at all. So I, I think because of the context of what it is and in the societal culture that we live in today, I think this is why it's become a story. Um, and, like, and like you said, I'm not going to say it's right or wrong on his part to say what he said. But I do agree that if it was in the if it was in the NBA, this would be a non-story. Right, right. I mean, and and then there are two other aspects to this story that I think are worth mentioning. One, 
as she took him on, as 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 Liz Cambridge took him on when she addressed him on, on social media, she referred to him as a little white man. Right? Now, what about that comment? Is that okay? Right? Exactly I mean, if, if if he's going to be disciplined because in the heat of a game, he says his comments about and I don't believe he was trying to body shame her or anything like that. She's a professional athlete, so I don't think that's what was going on here. He was just really talking about in the context of a game that, you know, she's out there sort of getting her way without fouls being called, and yet fouls are being called against his team, you know, in, in plays involving her. And he's saying, what are you, you know, she's out there, you know, doing all this. Um, but she called him a little white man. Is that okay? Definitely I mean, to not. me, I don't, not I don't believe that was the right thing to do. And unlike the coach, unlike Miller, who said it in the heat of the game, she says it after the game, going on social media. I mean, she had time to think about <laughs> what she wanted yeah. to say. And time to think about that. it. Time to decide if she wanted to post it. Yeah. And so I think that's a little, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem as if the same kind of scrutiny is being applied. And then the second thing I wanted to say about this is, you know, Miller made his comments during the game, heat of the game, between the lines, on the court, so forth. And we, we all know in sports, there's a whole lot of things that are said on the court, on the field, in between the lines that you wouldn't say in polite company, whole lot of things. Yeah. Right. And so are we going to get to the point now where we're going to scrutinize those things? Because if we do, Man, there's going to be a whole lot of people who are going to be called on the carpet for some of the things they say in the heat of the battle. So um, this story is interesting to me. I'm not taking up for Miller necessarily for what he said. I understand, you know, that no coach should go there and, and you know, start talking about a, a woman in that way. You know, even an, an athlete, you know, who happens to be one of the biggest players on the court. Um, I do understand that, but I also understand as well, if he said that in the man's game, this would be a non-issue. And I also have, you know, some concern too, that she was able to say what she said without any blowback and the possibility now that we could have a different dynamic in terms of what is being said in the heat of a game. Yeah, I agree, man. Listen, I play softball on Sundays, and I say things sometimes on the field that I wouldn't want my mom to hear. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's the you know, nature it's, it's of the, playing yeah, and, and the heat competing. of the moment. Yeah. So, anyway, um, well, brother, good catching up with you, man. Good conversation. Um, let Let's um, continue watching these games, especially with our New York Knicks. They They have to get it get it for us tomorrow. And um, I hope they do. I want to see that series, you know, um, go deep. I want to see that series go deep. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to to pull that out. And um, if they do, I guess their prize would be what? The Sixers? 
<laughs> Man. A date with Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah. But we'll Maybe worry Doc about Rivers. that if we get there. Maybe Doc crumbles on the pressure again and we got it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But brother, good talking with you, man. And um, you know, we'll come back again. We'll come back again and 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 we'll hit him with another edition of Sports 360. But thanks for coming on, man. 